Amen. Welcome to everyone tonight. Thank you for being here on this Thursday evening. If you're watching online tonight, we welcome you as a part of this service wherever you may be. Pray that you have been and will be blessed by what is going on here. Amen. I want to, uh, back before I went to England and then my wife and I were traveling for our anniversary, spent a couple of nights uh, started off by reading some passage, some verses from Acts about the New Testament church and some of the characteristics and then kind of launched from there into the area of talking some about discipleship. And uh, I want to kind of reconnect to that tonight and uh, at this point by faith next week as well. So... Luke chapter number 5 and uh, verse number 27. And after these things he went forth and saw a publican named Levi sitting at the receipt of custom. He was a, an IRS agent essentially. And he said unto him, Follow me. He said unto him, Follow me. Look at what the next verse says. He left all, rose up, and followed him. John 1.43 The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip. And he saith unto him, Follow me. And Philip did the same thing. Sorry. Lord, thank you for your presence tonight. Thank you for the privilege of being in your presence. I pray that you would speak to us tonight. I pray, God, that your word would be seed that would fall on good ground in our hearts tonight, that it might produce something in our lives. I pray that you would help us tonight to not just be hearers of the word, but to be doers as well. Speak to us, Lord. Give us ears to hear whatever you would desire to say to us tonight. Father, I trust you, believe you for your anointing tonight. Depend on you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Side note, what a great time we had Monday at our uh, Memorial Day picnic fellowship. Great turnout, other than the ground being a little bit soggy. The weather itself was great, and uh, we are planning uh, at this point, at the very least, to do it again on Labor Day. And uh, we'll see if something else comes up before then, but I encourage you to plan on that, and uh, if you're in town, to make plans to be a part. I have what I think might be, I'm, I'm admitting this to you up front, okay? I think I have tonight what may end up being the corniest title I have ever used. So I'm, I'm going to tell you, you have my permission if you want to groan in a few moments to groan. The rights have a corny humor gene. 
that has been passed down from generation to generation. And I have it, and I try to refrain most times from using it, because most of the time it produces groans and not laughter. So I'm just telling you up front, it may be kind of corny, but nevertheless, it's going to be my, my title for this evening, and my title is a question. And the question I have is, which ship are you on? Are you on the membership? Or are you on the discipleship? I got some chuckles, I'll take that. Are you on the membership or are you on the discipleship? And there is a huge difference. Somebody wants to worship some more. My goodness, we need to worship some more. I I, I want, and and, uh, I've got a bunch of notes here, and I'm going to try to just relax and not try to cram all this in tonight and trust that uh, perhaps we will continue next week. I I, I want, I, I know this is, I know... This is Thursday evening. This is, this is the group of people that are, are, are very committed. You, you've, you've made commitments. You've gone beyond just a, uh, pretty much a casual connection to, to Christianity, to a walk with God. You're here because of a, of a hunger and a desire for more. Uh, and, and so I, I, as I do from time to time, I just I remind you that I know who you are tonight. (laughs) But you know what? When I read some of the things that Jesus said, and especially some of the things that I read in the epistles that were written to the church, some of the things that were said, some of the things that were emphasized, I I don't think we can ever take for granted that just because we've been around here that we got it all together. So in some ways, this may not be necessarily that deep tonight, but I'm challenging you, if you will, to open your heart and your spirit and let the Lord talk to us tonight. I I touched on this uh, a couple of weeks ago when when we were in this this sort of in this vein, and, and I'd like to just say it to you this way, membership is equal to or it's really about consumerism. Discipleship is about servanthood. Membership is about what can I get. Membership is really about what you do for me and, and, and what are you going to do for me. And, and I'm willing to pay a price for membership. As long as the price I'm paying, I consider I'm getting value for what I'm paying. I, 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 I'm a member at Severna Park Racquetball Club. I will tell you, it is not the cheapest membership fee for a fitness center. There are other places that are a lot less expensive. There goes the mic. The reason that, but the, the reason that I pay what I pay is because there's not many other places that have Racquetball as as much of a focus 
um, or a part as Severna Park Racquetball Club does. I, I know there's some other places that have racquetball courts, but it's not as much of a, a, a of a focus. And so I I have determined that the what I pay, I get the value for what I pay. So you, you're willing to pay a price to be a member, but you determine what price you're willing to pay. And at what point you don't feel like you're getting the value for what you're paying, you will discontinue your membership. Or you will find something else that's cheaper. Or you may reach a point that you will pay for membership just for the sake of being able to say, I'm a member. I wonder, I meant to research this a little bit as I was thinking and preparing for tonight, but I, I got a feeling there's probably, I really need to just fix this mic, otherwise I'm going to play with it in my pocket the whole time because it's bothering me. So we will pause for station identification. Okay. I have a feeling, I, I don't, I, I, again, I meant to, to try to research this a little bit, but I wouldn't be surprised if there are people that pay for a gym membership that never use it but continue to pay because there is some degree of soothing their conscience because they can say, I belong. I belong to the gym. I got a membership. Well, how often do you go? Not that often. How much do you exercise? Not much. But I'm a member. Without fail, I'm sure those of you that are members at gyms and go regularly have experienced this. I've, I exper I've experienced this for years now. Come January, the parking lot at Severna Park Racquetball Club will be packed out for several weeks as everybody is jumping into their New Year's resolutions. But give it about three or four weeks and guess who's there every week, every day? Same people that were before Christmas. And I guarantee you there's a lot of people that don't cancel their membership. I, I, I'm afraid that we have made a lot of this about membership rather than discipleship. And I'm afraid we've got my wife. I think I've heard others use this term. I don't think it's original with her, but she used it the other day in a conversation we were having. But if we're not careful, I think we can become professional Pentecostals. And I do enough to check off my membership. To be able to say, this is what I am. But again... It's about what I get. It's about what's, what's in it for me. And that's why when things don't go the way I want them or hope they should, I, I can become critical. I can become judgmental because I'm a consumer. I, I, it's kind of, I think, of a ridiculous idea, but it's been a, it's been a part of customer service for a while now, and that's the idea. The customer is always right. You know what? The customer is not always right. If we're not careful, we can get into a mentality as, as 
church members that what I think, what I feel is right. When what ultimately is right is just simply what the Word of God says. Membership is, and, and we're not, this isn't about just members, stay with me, I'm just trying to, it's kind of a foundation here. Membership is a choice. Discipleship is an act. The act is being born again. You, you can't, you know, somebody shows up as a guest, and says, well, you know, Pastor Wright, what do I have to do to join the church? We've we got to kind of separate what we're talking about from a natural standpoint and some of the natural legalities that we have to abide by versus are you talking about the, the body? If you want to check off membership, well, I, can, I guess I can give you a few ideas, but if you if you really want to be a disciple, you've got to be born again. I'm born into this. I didn't choose to get in this. I'm not here because of me. I'm here because I was given the opportunity, the privilege to be born again. I was born into the body. I became a part of the body of Christ. The church is not an organization. The church is not an organization. The church, the church of the living God is an organism. It is the body of Christ. If I'm on the membership, my question is, what do I have to do? What is required of me? If I start sailing on the discipleship, my question becomes, what can I do? I, I don't think I would still have been married 25 years if my primary question to my wife was, what do I have to do? Huh. I, I think that part of the key to success is at some point the question became, what can I do? Not what do I have to do to please you? What, what can I do to make you happy? Not because you're not happy, but because my I want you to be happy. So what can I do? I don't know about you, but I don't really like people doing stuff for me because they got to do it. I got to do this, so I'm doing it. I, I like people doing something for me because it's what they want to do. It's the desire of their heart. I, I've got this, this part of this stubborn streak that I have gets me in trouble sometimes because if you try to get me to say something, I'm probably not going to say it. And there's sometimes I really would, as a husband, I'd be a lot better husband if I would just, even if you're trying to get me to say it, just to go ahead and say it. But rather I dig my heels in and I know I need to say it, but you're trying to get me to say it, so I'm not going to say it. 
usually doesn't end real well. <laughs> and yet I still keep making the same mistake. What, what do I, you ever have somebody give you, a, maybe give you a birthday card, but the sense you got? I, I have, here, I have to do this. Or, or you buy a Christmas present for somebody. And, and, and I got to get you one. Or they come give you one, and you realize, uh-oh, I didn't get them anything. So you tell one of those Christian lies, I'm so sorry, I, I, I don't have yours with me, I'll bring it. And so out of duty, obligation, because I... This is what I have to do. I, I'm afraid there's, there's, there's too many of us that all we keep asking is the first question. What do I have to do? Or do I have to do that? When, if I will make the transition that I, I'm not here as a member, my pursuit, my goal, my desire is I want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Notice, notice again the two places, and there's a few other places it's kind of referred to or May not in exactly the same way, but the gist is there. I want you to notice when when the the two disciples that we Levi and and Philip. I notice according to what is written there, Jesus simply says two words. Two words. Follow me. I don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't think he got up in their face and yelled and screamed as loud as he could, follow me! <laughs> and, and the simplicity of the words and the way it's written, I don't think he sat down with some great sales pitch. I, I think he just said, follow me. And something inside of them responded because it recognized something about him. Maybe it, it wasn't an intellectual recognition, but something in their spirit recognized who he was. And so at those two simple words, follow me, Levi leaves everything and goes after him. Philip goes after him. Peter and the rest of them Go after him, he said in another place, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. But back to those two simple words, follow me. Follow me. Follow me. The... Uh, Biblical illustrator says this, his call was sublimely simple. Few were the words, clear was the direction, personal was the address, royal was the command. 
I, I find it interesting that in response to two simple words, these men gave up what they were doing, let go of their livelihood, and responded to the invitation, follow me. Because I, I compare that to another situation where a, 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 a rich, rich young ruler shows up to Jesus and he comes and Jesus didn't initiate the conversation. He comes to Jesus and says, you know, good master, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Really what he was saying was, I need to add the asset of eternal life. So what price do I need to pay? And Jesus says to him, keep the commandments, list several of them. And he says, I've done that since I was a child. And he responds and says, one thing, one thing you lack, go and sell all that you have, then come follow me. There's those words again. And the Bible says he went away sorrowful. Because he had too many possessions. He had accumulated too much stuff. He just wanted eternal life to be another possession amongst all his other possessions. But then we find these disciples where Jesus simply says to them, follow me. And they actually did what the ruler wouldn't in the sense that they gave up everything to follow him. They gave up their livelihood. They, Levi, Matthew walks away, gets up and walks away from it. Peter lets go of his nets. I know at one point he goes back to them, but in the end, overall, he gave it up and walked away from it because there was a simple invitation. Follow me. Follow me. It was a personal invitation. Oh, help me tonight, Jesus. <laughs> it, it was a personal invitation. How sad it is we feel like we have to constantly sell Jesus. We've got to package him. We've got to market him. We've got to advertise him. And he just says two simple words to some men and out of, out of just the, those two simple words... They completely forsake life as they know it to pursue Him. They begin on a journey of transformation. The rich young ruler was only willing to pay a certain price. And he ends up with nothing. These guys, by just two simple words, follow me, end up with everything. Listen to what this word means. Follow. According to Strong's, it means, it comes from the New Testament word one. It is a particle of union and whatever else that word is, I won't even try. A road. Properly, it is to be in the same way with, i.e. to accompany, especially as a disciple. 
Thayer says it means to follow one who proceeds, to join him as his attendant, accompany him. It is to join one as a disciple, to become or be his disciple, to side with his party. The amplified version, to follow him. I know it's kind of wordy there, but that first part, that first strong definition, a union on a road. (laughs) To be in the same way with. To be in the same way with. To be in the same way with. How many have you ever done one of those three-legged races? If you get, if you can get in sync, if you can get your timing down, you can get in a pretty decent stride. But part of the fun of the three-legged race as an observant, as the spectator, is watching as people stumble all over each other because they can't get in sync. To get to the finish line, you've got to get in step with each other. You've got to be in the same way. I, I, maybe, maybe this is just something different in here than is coming out here. But I, I, I beg you tonight, please don't just check this off as semantics. I'm I'm here tonight challenging myself, but also challenging you and the Holy Ghost, because some of you, 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 your focus is so much about the church. What do I got to do to please the church? And what do I have to do to meet this requirement or that guideline? And and, and what do I have to do to be acceptable for this? And what, what do I have to do for that? Not realizing that there is someone that has given you an invitation that says, follow me. Follow, follow me. Be in the same way with me. Walk with me. Walk in the same Manner. What does the scripture say? How can two walk together except they be agreed? How can two walk together except they be agreed? I, I don't, I'm not here tonight out of obligation or duty, and I don't think most of you are. But I'm not here because I have to be. I don't come to church out of religious obligation or duty. I come to church because I am trying to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I am trying to walk in the same way with Him. And so one of the reasons I am a part of the body is I can't be saved by myself. I can't get to heaven on my own. There are no independent Christians getting to heaven by themselves. It's the body that's going to be saved. So the question is, who's in the body?
You can tell the difference between people who come to church because they are followers of Jesus Christ versus those who come because there's an expectation of membership. Members often come and don't really do much. It's Thursday night, so we'll be a little more straightforward than we are other times. Members come and have the right to sit and do nothing. Followers don't do that. Disciples don't do that. How can I follow Him? How can I be in the same way with Him and then get in His presence and do nothing? How can I be walking in the same manner? How can I be walking in the way with Him and then not be concerned about what He wants? What He desires. But it's, if, if I'm just, a, if I'm on the membership, it becomes, you know what? Brother Wright, leave me alone tonight. Don't you know it's Thursday? I got one more day of work to survive. You don't know what kind of week I've had. You don't know what I've been through. You ought to be happy I'm here. I, oh my goodness. I'm in it, so I might as well just stay in it. You ought to be thankful that I'm here. I've been up since 4.30 this morning. I didn't get dinner. I, I'm starving to death. On top of that, I got chewed out by my boss today or chewed out by a customer today. You just better be thankful I came. It's not about me. I am not your Savior. I can't save you. You don't need to please me. But if I'm just a consumer, I can come and say, you know what? It's Thursday. It's been a long week. You better give me something. Because if you don't give me something, you ain't getting nothing. <laughs> there was, I forget what kind of, me I forget the, it was some kind of a, like a cough and a cold medicine. A little while back, I, I, there was some commercials for it, and, and kind of the gist of the commercial was moms or dads, it, it portrayed both. They don't get a day off, and, and if I remember correctly, the kind of the way it worked was that the dad or the mom, depending on the commercial, they come into the baby's room, and I mean, they're like snotting, and eyes are running, and they're, and they're like telling the baby, listen, I'm sorry, I can't help you today. You're on your own. You had infants or toddlers. What day does that ever happen? If you're sick, oh well. <laughs> they are the priority. Partly because they're helpless. So if it's about Him, then it doesn't matter what kind of week I'm having and I just made it and you ought to be thankful. There have been a few times where I, I, didn't, I didn't forget about a birthday. Please mark that, get that part clear. I didn't forget the birthday. I just didn't really quite plan properly. And so I had hoped that what I had kind of done the last second would not be recognized that it was the last second. 
She sees right through it every time. I don't, she's not in here yet, is she? And yet, she, 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 I, didn't, I didn't admit it, I'm, and she ain't in here, and don't you tell her. She nailed me the other day. I, you know, when it, it's, I'm, I'm a quiet person, but she, more than anybody else, and few of you kind of there a little bit, but nowhere near her, maybe my kids, I don't know, but she knows, she knows when I'm quiet or when I'm quiet. She knows the differences between my quietness. I'm like, I'm quiet. Just because there's something wrong, I'm usually quiet anyway. And there was there was something the other day that happened, and I'm quiet. So, man, she—I don't mean disrespectfully. I, please, I'm not saying that. She just she her discernment. Like, oh, she walked away, and I'm like, I ain't saying nothing. Ooh, you got me, but I ain't telling you you got me. <laughs> and a few of those times when I've last second tried to make up at some point, sometimes a little kinder than others, I'd, I'd rather you not do anything. I'd rather you just not do anything than like, oh, man. I wonder if sometimes Jesus feels that way about us. You know what? I'd rather you just really not do anything than I would you bring me what you're bringing me, doing what you're doing, just because it's an obligation. It's a duty. It's a responsibility. Follow. Follow me. Follow me. Don't follow a religion. Don't follow a church. Don't follow a, a, a doctrine or creed. Follow me. Church membership and being a follower of Jesus Christ are not synonymous. Church membership, and, and I, I'm going I'm to give you some scriptures in a moment, so if you don't believe me, just stay with me till we get to the scriptures but church membership and being a follower of Jesus Christ are not the same thing and the reason some of us are members and I'm not talking in the I'm not talking strictly any members of I mean church in general the reason you can tell some of us are members is again by our priorities and the way we approach things. Because, you know what, as a member, if my, if my, if my focus is my, my membership in a certain body, then you know what, when I'm away from that body, I can be something else, and as long as nobody finds out. Uh, I don't think I said the term earlier. Maybe I did and forgot. Did I say that term my wife used? I think I, she tells me. She tries to help me sometimes. I, I start down one road and turn in the middle of it and never finish. So I don't think I said the term. Did I? 
Oh, I did. All right. Yeah, y'all are listening. All right. Pro- professional, professional Pentecostals, professional churchgoers know how to come and do the right stuff at the right time because that's what's expected. That's what you're supposed to do. I, I, this is what I've known, born and raised in. This is, I, I, I know what to do, when to do it, how to do it. I, I know, I, I, it doesn't, I don't need the whole, I know when an amen is appropriate. I know when a good preaching works. I, I know when a hand raised. Well, I know when a little bit of clapping. I know when all that works. I've been in some other church settings where I sat there and I go, everybody's getting up and down at the same time. They're all doing the same thing. And I'm like, I don't know what to do here. I'm out of place. I don't. You come into this and you're from something else. It's not normal to you, but it doesn't take too long. You can learn how to do it. And I can and you can come to church and do the right things to give the right impression to those that have no spiritual discernment. But walk out of here and be something absolutely, completely different. If that's you, you are a member. Because if I am a follower of Jesus Christ, I don't leave Jesus Christ here. I don't leave Him here. It all, it's, I don't, it's, most of my life, it's a, or maybe more so my ministry, it has amazed me how that we... In, in our dis- daily decisions, as long as, you know, depending the scenario, as long as my parents don't find out. I'm going to do this because I think I can get away with this and my parents never know. And there's some things most of people in this room, the adults, have gotten away with at some point your parents never knew. And then it changes scenario. You know, what if I, you know, my boss doesn't know. If my spouse doesn't know, hopefully it's only certain really petty things on that one. Then we get to the point, well, if the pastor doesn't know. What I don't understand about that is your mom and your dad, your boss, your spouse, and the pastor are not your savior. They are not all seeing, omnipresent, everywhere, all the time. Their eyes do not go to and fro throughout the earth. But the one that matters sees all, hears all, knows all, and we ignore him as long as we keep it from each other. You say, well, you know what? If you're a good pastor, if you're really spirit, you ought to know. Are you kidding? I don't want to know. I don't want to know all your stuff. I'm going to, I'm going to be, I try to always be transparent. I'm going to be real transparent with you right now. Let me tell you something. It's hard sometimes to stay saved with all the stuff you see. I'm, hmm. Every now and then the thought crossed my mind. Is there anybody that's really living for God? Now the, the curse of 2017 is, as a pastor, you don't have to spend as much time praying for God to talk to you. You just need to flip your thumb a little bit. 
and people publicize. They post. You go, really, God is, I mean, and yet you watch some of them, some of the same ones, they come to church, boy, I mean, they got their praise on. Because I've got to maintain my membership. But you know what? I'm not sitting with you in your living room tomorrow night when you sit down to decide what you're going to watch for your evening of entertainment. I'm not sitting there beside you when you decide what DVD you're going to put in or what Netflix video you're going to choose. I'm not sitting there when you decide what website you're going to on the internet. I'm not there and I don't want to be there. But there is someone that gave you a very personal, intimate invitation that said, follow me. And how is it that I can sit there and disregard the feelings? I, I, start, I really ought to make up my mind. You do what you want. I really ought to make up my mind that every single time I see it, I delete them. I, I'm... I don't, I don't scroll Facebook, especially. I don't scroll Facebook to read profanity. And sometimes it happens. It's there. You, Jesus doesn't go home with you tonight to sit in fellowship. Oh, Hallelujah. He said, come here, sorry. Maybe you'll stop sitting up here one day. Hopefully not, but. He says, follow me. And you know what? I don't think, do me a favor for a minute and follow me. I don't think that's what he really meant, follow me. I want you, I want you somewhere behind me, following me. I want you tagging along. I think really what he meant by the follow me is follow me, yes, but I I want you beside me. I want you with me. I want you in step with me. I want to get in sync with you. You know what? You can't rub off on Jesus. You can't rub off because he don't change. But you spend enough time with him in a personal setting, one-on-one, you and him. I guarantee you, if you're there long enough, he's going to do some rubbing off on you. And if he's not rubbing off on you, then you're probably not following him. It's happened a time or two with him. It's really happened more so with Timothy. I can remember one time, I think it was at the Annapolis Mall, if I'm not mistaken, Timothy was... Like this high. And a complete stranger, total stranger, stops me, or kind of in passing, he just says, Man, you can't deny he's yours. You know what? I want to walk with him so much, I want to follow him so much that somebody will look at him and say, man, Jesus, you can't deny He's yours. You can't deny that He's been with you so long that He's now favoring you. He now takes after you. He's got the same mannerisms. 
My, she's, she hasn't made it in here yet for good reasons. So, my, my wife, and I'm sure she's not the only mother that goes through this, but she's got this frustration every now and then, lately especially. She's not in here, right? Gossip is not pleasing to God. If you go tell her what I said, you're gossiping. She, she's got this, she's got this frustration that our, our kids don't listen to her. Sometimes she expresses that frustration in front of them and sometimes she expresses to, to me when it's just the two of us. They don't listen to me. You, they, they just don't listen to me. And what's, what's at the right time kind of humorous is couple of them, sometimes all four of them, but usually it's one or two of them, will start mimicking her. They'll start saying things that she says, the exact way she says them. The, the, the same words, the same voice inflection. What it proves is, The actions may not show it, but they really are listening because they can mimic. I, I, I want my reactions. I want my responses. Not here on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Thursday night, but tomorrow morning when I get up, when I walk into the racquetball club tomorrow morning, I want to favor Him. If I am just an apostolic church member, that doesn't have to happen. But if I am a disciple that is following Him, you see, when you sit and, 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 and when, when we sit and argue about what's necessary or not necessary or or what matters and doesn't matter. That, that's me deciding what price am I going to pay. But when I'm trying to follow, follow Him. The, the, the Bible says in Hebrews uh, 12, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside... Every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. There are two things identified in that verse. Weight and sin. Weights are not sin. Weights are not sin. Sins are sins and weights are weights. Our problem is as church members, all we want to know is what is sin. But if I'm really going to run this weight race, it's not just about sin, it's about the weights. And notice the order in which the scripture says it. It says lay aside the weight 
And, and I know this is, this is kind of my, my take on it, my, my inflection, but I just kind of read that verse just to say this. Lay aside the weight and the sin. And the sin kind of as an afterthought. Because he shouldn't have to tell you to lay aside the sin. It's kind of should, it should be a given. You ought to lay aside the sin. And so he starts with weights. Lay aside the weight. And, you know, the problem with weights in that verse, what may be a weight to you, may not be a weight to me. Sin is sin. The Bible's clear on sin. But weight is put in a whole different category. And so what may be my weight may not be your weight. Some of you, professional sports and following professional sports is not a weight. Some of you, because you could care less. Others have a degree of interest, but it's a very minimal interest. Others of you, it's a weight because you become consumed with it. Every stat, every detail, who's doing what? I mean, you know, you know all about draft picks and you know this and you know that. That can become a weight. And so the problem is I can't look at you and judge you for something that's a weight to me because it may not be a weight to you. But if I am going to effectively run this race, I've got to lay aside what may be a weight to me, whether it's a weight to you or not. And then the sin is a given. I, I, I heard something today, Sister, Sister Kimbrell, this, this one boggled my mind today. I happened to have my radio on public radio this morning and was heading to the church. I don't know who the man was. I don't know his name and I don't know what his background is. And that's probably a good thing because I can't be casting light on a specific individual. But what I got from what was being discussed was this guy was some kind of a Christian. But as a Christian... He has, and this was the point of discussion, a totally different take on the topic of abortion than most Christians do. And does not believe that it's wrong. And, and this, this was, this was one of the, this was one of the things he said, is that abortion is not specifically mentioned in the Bible. So because it's not specifically mentioned, and the interviewer said, well, and he, in the interview, I don't know what the interviewer's belief is, I don't know what he was, but whatever he was, if he was not a Christian himself, he was a very informed one because he, 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 he asked the question quoting several verses. Well, what do you think about this? One of the verses he quoted was, Thou shalt not kill. Response? Well, that verse was about murder. It wasn't about abortion. 
Because the Bible doesn't address abortion. And proceeded to then say that, you know, that's the problem. You can take any verse out of context and use it to say whatever you wanted to say. And he said, that's the problem with biblical literalism. I, 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 I didn't want to forget this, so I, I put it in my notes real quick. So again, he said the problem with biblical literalism is, is, is that. You take a passage, thou shalt not kill, and you apply it. Or another one, he said, and the, the, I thought, again, I don't know what the interviewer was, but he said, what about the verse where it says, the Lord says, I knew you in your mother's womb. Well, that, he, that was, blah, 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 he spouted off. And, and he said, I mean, he, again, he said, you can take any verse and whatever, you know, if you want to use the context, he said, he said, I'm, for example, you can take a passage where it talks about somebody committing suicide, and then you can take the other verse where it says, thou, go down and do likewise. That, you know, that is such an extreme. No, he, I'm not saying he was saying to do that. He was making a point, but my response was, that is, I'm sorry, that is stupid. You're going to use that as your demonstration? And, and, and so here, here's, the, here's the point. A bunch of you sitting here, oh boy, here we go. That was all safe. Because a bunch of you sit here and go, how in the world? Could he not believe that the Bible addresses the topic of abortion? And you know what? To my knowledge, if you went and did a search in your concordance on the word abortion, you will not find it in the Bible. It's not in there. But what you and I, as disciples of Jesus Christ, believe is that there may not be specific rules that address everything, but there are eternal principles that can be applied to any situation to find out what God wants. So you know what? I agree. Abortion is not named in the Bible, but there's all kind of principles in the Bible that I believe address the topic. And so a bunch of you sit here right now and wag your heads about abortion, but you know what? If you have a Bible concordance, if you got a program, you don't have to, you can go do it on Google. Go see if you can find the word cussing in the Bible. I know it says Peter cursed. That wasn't, if you study that out, it wasn't about the F-bomb. He swore. You know what? You can't find, to my knowledge, in the context of profanity today, you can't find the word cussing in the Bible. Well, then I guess it's okay, right? Well, just go do yourself a little study on the tongue and about what comes out of your mouth. And if you do a thorough search on that, if you do a thorough study on that and then walk away with the same attitude, I really shouldn't say this, and I'm not trying to be unkind, but you're just, you're an idiot. <laughs> sorry, I shouldn't have said that. I'm all you children, I'm sorry. Really, no, I'm not trying to be mean, but I'm, I'm just... As a, as a follower of Jesus, I don't need... You know what? There's a lot of things I don't do as a husband. But it's not because I've got the marriage rule book that I refer... Do not. Do not this. Do not do that. Do not. It's not there. Not there. I wish sometimes I wish I had one. I think it'd be easier. Well, let me go see real quick. What do I need to do?
What's the right answer here? Don't you, don't you husbands love those questions that there is no, no, there's no right answer to. There's just none. You know, the other thing, I'm in a moment of, I'll give you a breather here for a second. How come is it if my wife asks me, does this outfit look okay? And, it, and if I say, it looks fine. And yet I can hear her ask my daughters, how does this look? And they can respond and say, it looks fine. Okay. That is not fair. That is so not fair. I'll take a list of rules. Thou shalt say this, thou shalt not say that. Thou shalt do this, thou shalt not do that. <laughs> it's not there. The, the, the beauty, you know what? The, the beauty of the Word of God is this. One of, not the, one of the beauties to me of the Word of God is, is it, it is not a list of rules. It is a book of principles. And the reason that is, I believe, the primary reason for that is, if it was a list of rules, then it would be limited to the culture that it was written to, or the time period it was written in. You think about all the stuff we deal with, and I know I, I preach lately, taught late, nothing new under the sun, but in, in one context, think about all the stuff we deal with today that they didn't deal with in the biblical times. Well, I mean, the Bible doesn't say I shouldn't do this or can't do that, so I guess it's okay. There, there's, a, there's a bunch of stuff that really, to me, falls under one simple principle. What? Know ye not that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost? There's a whole bunch of stuff that I don't need specific rules for that that covers. My body is God's dwelling place. So I should not force God to live in a house that He's not at home in. I should not try to force God to be someplace He's not comfortable. You know what, if you come visit my house, you, you, you may not like the decorations. You may not like the color schemes. It's, it's toned down. We've had red and yellow. We got, still got some yellow wall. We've had green walls. We, you walk in our bathroom, I guess it's kind of salmon. I, I don't know what exact. I mean, it's, whoo! I mean, it's a little powder room, man. You're in there. You're like, whoa, you're mine. You know what? You may not like it. Guess what? I don't care. It's not your house. It's my house. My wife likes it. I like it. I could come to your house and I probably will find some things I don't like there. But you know what? I'm, I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to respect you and your house because it's your house. I may walk in and look at your color scheme and go, man, what in the world happened here? I'm not going to say that. It's your house. I respect the right, your, your right to your house. I'm not my own. 
I've been bought with a price. I am His house. And because I am His house, I should be doing whatever He wants me to do to make Him feel the most at home. Well, God, if this is where you want to be, you just got to suck it up and take it. That may be the case if I'm just on the membership. But if I am trying to follow, I want to follow Him. I, 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 want, I want people to look at me and say, I know who your dad is. I know who your father is. You talk just like him. I, I haven't really heard it here, but I've heard the last couple of years, and I don't see it. I guess partly I don't see it, I guess, to me, because we are several inches different. And so from that standpoint alone, I don't get this. But over the last couple of years, and more so in traveling other places that my dad has been, I've been told several times, the last couple of years. Man, you really favor your dad. You look like your dad. They recognize him in me. I, I, I personally, he thinks it, I think it. I, I think our ministries are very different. So, having said that, I've been told several times the last couple of years with regards to that. Man, you... You are you're just like your father. I, I want people to look at me. Say, man, you look just like your father. You talk. Just, you act just like your father. You remind me. You know what? If I work on being and looking like him, I don't have to worry about trying to look or be apostolic. The only reason I'm worried about trying to be apostolic is because I'm not being like him. Because if I can... Accept the invitation to follow. Follow. There are two men. I, I'm closing. There are two men in the Bible that were translated. Enoch and Elijah. I don't, I don't personally have quite the grasp on the whole typology with Elijah. I know there's typology there. It wasn't wasn't just a random thing that he was translated. But the one other person out of all of Scripture, the one other person that was translated, and the Bible says, so that he would not see death, had this testimony. The testimony that Enoch had that caused God to reach down and take him out of this world by a different means than anybody else goes out was simply that he pleased God. 
And what he did to please God was this. He walked with God. Faithfully walked. Could I say it in the context of what Jesus said? Because I think that's what Enoch did. He followed. He just followed. I, Lord willing, I'll get to it next week. There's some pretty clear things that Jesus said to communicate that just because you have association to a church, just because you have participation, just because you're involved in some form or fashion of ministry is not the same thing as being a follower, a disciple of Him. The world does not need professional churchgoers. The world does not need professional Christians that know how to act the part. Play the part. The world is in desperate need of followers of Jesus Christ. And I, I, I just... I don't, maybe nobody's thinking it or saying it. Maybe it's just the devil, but I can just hear it in my mind. What, what are you talking about? That's what we are. That's what we are. Can I, can I truly say, forget the preacher, forget the pastor, forget the ministry side, forget all of that. Can I truly say, that I have accepted the simple but personal invitation. Follow. Follow me. Follow me. We, i got one more thing to do in a moment, but before we do that, would you just, as you're still sitting, just for a moment before we move on and then dismiss... Would you just talk to the Lord for a moment? Father, I ask you to help us tonight. I ask you to help me. I don't want to just learn how to be a professional Christian and play the part. Do the right things at the right time to give the impression of what I am. I want to be a follower of you. I want to join you in your way. I want to join you on your path. I want to come alongside you and step as you step. Go where you go. Say only what would please you. Do only what would please you. That I would focus not on trying to maintain some kind of persona, but really what I would focus on trying to maintain is my relationship with you, guarding, protecting my relationship with you. 
not allowing anything to come into my life. Words, actions, thoughts, my conduct that is going to cause there to be separation and distance between you and me. I want to follow you, Jesus. And in my following you, I want to become more and more like you. God, I ask you to help us tonight. You have the ability to reveal to each one of us what may be the weights in our lives. And I'm asking you tonight, Lord, that you would give us the grace that rather than comparing ourselves among ourselves, that we would give ourselves to listening to that gentle, loving voice from You that guides us and leads us and that if there are things in our lives that are weighing us down, that maybe they're not sin, maybe they don't fall in the category of sin, and maybe they're things that others can have in their lives and it's not a problem, but for whatever reasons, it's a weight to us. Help us to be willing to respond to You, to Your direction, Your leading, Your guiding. In the name of Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, praise God. We have uh, several young people this summer going on uh, various missions trip, AYC, Apostolic Youth Corps from our youth department, and uh, the first one of those, Sister Rachel Bray leaves tomorrow uh, for her trip, so if you'd stand, if she'd stand, if I could get a couple of young ladies over there where she is to gather around her, I want us to pray for her tonight, pray that God's blessings would be upon her in this trip, that it would have a great positive impact, also that He would keep His hand upon her, protect her, keep her safe. As she travels. Lord, we pray tonight for Rachel. We pray, God, that you would be with her, that you would bless her during this time, that you would let this be a great opportunity of impact for her personally, as well as impacting others. I pray that you would use this time in her life to deepen and strengthen her relationship with you, her walk with you. I pray that you would use her during this trip, Lord, to touch lives in the name of Jesus Christ. I ask you, Father, that you would keep your hand upon her and upon the rest of those that will be in this group, that you would watch over them and guard them, that your angels would be with them to protect them, bring them home safely, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, we trust you and we believe you for it. We thank You in advance for doing it, Father. In Jesus' name, Amen. Praise God. God bless you. Thank you again for being here tonight. We still have some Pentecost Sunday flyers on the platform, so if you didn't get any or you want to use a few more, please grab some so that they don't go to waste.